For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderan, back again to talk Chiefs as the team is in the mandatory minicamp phase, uh, which is exciting and will eventually, of course, lead to the actual camp, training camp. How are you doing, Verderan? Doing fine. I am relaxing. I am staying as inside as possible since it's about 98 degrees here, although a little later i got a soccer game to coach. But other than that, uh, yeah, uh, thank God for uh, Central Air. Yeah, you're not kidding, man. Uh, it, so uh, most of the, the – some of the folks, are, are, our members know um, because we've been chatting in the Discord, but I came down with the Rona on Friday. So right after we, we, uh, we did this podcast, so I've been a little bit under the weather – the last week, still still testing positive, but feeling much better. Um, worked out a little bit today, back on my feet, no fever, all that stuff. So was able to weather that uh, pretty well. Feeling good. I'm glad to be here today. I was question- I was on the injury report. I was questionable a couple of days ago. Moved to probable and and had a good workout today. So uh, happy to be here with you all and, and feeling better. Well, I'm I'm glad it it didn't kill you, and and hopefully the Chiefs don't make you wish it it, it, it took you out come September. Uh, a lot, you know, but no, it's, uh, it's good. You're, uh, you're, you're back on your feet. You know, listen, you, you know, you, you went away, you were gone for what, a week, something like that. Yeah. A week. I was in Florida. I was, I was in Florida. These so, things happen when you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way it goes, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you're, uh, feeling better. I know, uh, our colleague, Ben Heisler, he is going to the Canadian Rockies, uh, I believe at the end of the month and he oh, and wow. his wife are doing everything imaginable to avoid getting COVID. Yeah. The next yeah couple of weeks. You know, it's just the way it is. It's the way it is. That that's the thing, right? Is you don't, you know, we're, we're finally able to get out of our houses and all that stuff. Yeah. And you know, people are playing vacations. And the last thing you want to have happen is, I mean, you never want to get sick period, but obviously not with this uh, definitely can, can take you off your feet. My lung yeah. capacity is not a hundred percent. That's for that's for sure. But I'll do my best here. Uh, I think I've got enough hot air to blow out a, a talking chiefs for, for, for you guys. We're going to get, we look, we've got a really great show today. We got a lot of uh, interesting things to talk about. Obviously we're going to touch on the Tyree kill absurdity. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about um, chiefs brought back Jarek McKinnon. Um, something we talked about last week on the show that we thought they should have done. They obviously Brett Beach 
longtime listener of the show, takes uh, takes his cues from us. Yeah. Um, and then um, we're going to look at three long shot uh, free agents. This came from an article on Arrowhead Addict. Uh, three long shot offensive free agents that the Chiefs might sign. Go through those. See what you guys think about that. It's that time of year, y'all. And uh, oh, D says Patrick looking looking good though. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking uh, looking a lot better than I did yesterday um, when I was still coming down from that fever. Um, and then we're going to talk about Chris Jones and what's his future with the Chiefs. And then we'll wrap things up with. Uh, a power rankings. We're going to power rank the Chiefs uniform combination. So that'll be fun. We've never done that on the show. Uh, I know everybody has very passionate opinions about red on red and white on white and all that. So it'll be fun. Um, so we're going to get into it. Um, but the first thing I wanted to do is, Verum, I had to ask you about these really quickly, these Tyree kill statements, this craziness from Tyree. Now, listen, I've been, I've been hearing it on Twitter, like, oh, stop, who cares? He's gone. Listen. Listen to me now, okay? It's June, all right? He played for the Chiefs. He's an all-time great Chief, you know, won a Super Bowl with the team. It just happened over the weekend. So I know you guys are sick of Tyreek Hill. I know you were annoyed that he left, that he wanted money. A lot of you, you know, I get it, but we got to talk about it. He's, he's, he's throwing our guy Mahomes under the bus a little bit. Pissed me off. I thought it was unnecessary and ridiculous. I know you did a spaces on this Verderam, but for those who didn't catch right. it, what, what, what's your what's your take on this whole? So, uh, Matt? I did a, I did a spaces on it. I talked about it on Stack in the Box um, on Tuesday. Look, obviously, kind of just continue the same thought. I'm not going to get into whether or not Tua or Mahomes is the better player, or is more accurate. I mean, come on. I, I mean, anybody who wants to sit, Tua's own family wouldn't take Tua. Okay, so we can we can just. Throw that to the side. As far as the accuracy thing goes, they're one tenth of a of a point of a percent different in their careers. Two is one tenth better. Uh, I think it's like sixty six eight and sixty six seven. One of them throws the ball more downfield than anybody in football, and the other one, I saw it on Twitter, but I forget who it was. Uh, Two ranked thirty sixth last year on passes over twenty yards. I mean, that's like a backup quarterback thirty sixth. As far as though with the other stuff, look, I thought the more interesting point was when when Tyreek talked, and I thought it got kind of washed over was when he talked about we well, you know when I was negotiating a deal with Kansas City, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but you know I I, I called Pat. And, you know, in, in other words, trying to get something done. It almost seems like he wanted to be there, which I've, I've said he, he did want to be there. Went to Pat, get the thing done, and then it didn't get done. Maybe he feels jilted. Maybe he feels like Pat didn't go to bat enough for him. And I don't know whether he did. He didn't. If, Pat, if, if Tyree feels that way, I mean, I'm connecting dots. I'm not on a text thread with the two of them. But it, it seems like he feels like the, the Chiefs, didn't value him. I mean, he came out and said that. And that and that maybe Patrick Mahomes wasn't doing enough to keep him there. And look, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe, maybe Patrick said, look, guys, we need a defense more than we need Tyreek. Like, I will elevate who's around me, get a defense. Now, I, I don't know. Maybe that never happened. We know that the Chiefs looped him in and told him what was going on because he said as much after the trade. The bottom line is Tyreek's got to move on. I mean, at some point here, you got paid. You got paid $30 million a year, 120 overall, $75 million guaranteed. It's a record contract for a receiver. You live on South Beach. Get over it. I mean, I, at some point, I get feeling jilted. He's human. He's allowed to feel that way. But at some point, it does just become, look, it is what it is. And to, to just air all this, I'll tell you one other thing, too, and I'll close on this. If I were a Dolphins fan, if I worked in the front office, if I was a coach, I'd be unnerved that after a game where he almost had 200 yards against the Browns that they won, by the way, that the following week he had whatever it was, three catches for 40 yards or something, 
and then called up Drew Rosenhaus and was like, well, that that's bullshit. Why didn't I get my – are you kidding? I, and then, by the way, two weeks later, I had 186 yards against the Eagles and three touchdowns. Like, you're not going to get more targets in Miami than you got in Kansas City. You are not. I wrote this in Stacking the Box on Monday for those who read the column, the fan side. Look, in the four years that he played with Mahomes, of any – receivers across the league, tight ends included, that played at least 55 games in the last four seasons. He ranked eighth in targets per game. Okay? It was at 8.6. The other seven guys, excluding one of them, who I'll touch on in a second, all were guys who were far and away the best players uh, on their teams in terms of guys you would target. Devontae Adams was number one. DeAndre Hopkins was up top. Keenan Allen. Who does have Mike Williams, but he's not Keenan Allen. Uh, Cooper Cup. The only guy, Stephon Diggs was another one, the only guy who shared the field outside of Hill with an elite player was Travis Kelsey, who finished seventh with 8.9 targets per game. So, look, Hill's going to a team with Waddle and Gesicki and also a team that's going to want to run the ball a lot under McDaniel. I would be willing to bet my mortgage he gets targeted less than he got targeted in Kansas City. And I I think that would worry me. If he was that upset about the way he got targeted 159 times last year, I would be scared to death if I was Miami about, okay, what happens if we start one and four and he has a game where he's targeted four times? Then what? That would that would seriously worry me. Yeah, the targeting, like the under usage stuff coming from him and it's just, it's so preposterous. And it's like, what do you want? Like, look at any great player's stats. Nobody's just like, oh yeah, I put up a, you know, I catch seven balls for 110 yards every week. Or, you know, I get, yeah, I get, 15, 20 handoffs for for 100 every week. Like That just doesn't happen. You have great players have those kinds of games like Tyreek Hill has, where they go nuts, and the next team that plays them decides, all right, like that that team tried not dealing with him. That obviously didn't work. We're going to try something a little bit different. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but like to, to, to suggest that they were like, oh, we had a big week. We better pull back on him next week is just completely preposterous. I don't understand it. Look, I know he's doing a podcast. He's trying to get, they're trying to jump up publicity. And, you know, he has a host on that podcast. And I'll be honest with you. This host is his lawyer. Right, right. Sometimes I think that people don't even know what they think about things. You know what I mean? Like, and it seems like a weird concept, but like, how much has Tyreek Hill really thought about that stuff before he got asked it on the podcast? Do you know what I mean? Like, and he's in the yeah. moment. You see this happen with people a lot. You see, you see how I, I used to feel like Trump did that all the time, not to get political, but like he was one of these people that sometimes like, you, you know, you feel like he'd go which way the wind was blowing or like what, you know, and, and I feel like that, that Tyreek was in that situation where he was just kind of like, he's getting asked about it and he's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I should have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder or whatever. Look, I think I read a really interesting article and I I, I can't remember who wrote it, but it was, um, I believe it was from, oh gee, The Ringer. It was talking about the use of um, like the, the how, how teams like the Chiefs and the Bills had to get away from the spread last year because of the NFL's new obsession with the two high safeties, right? Right. And they dealt with it with in different ways. And one of the ways that the Bills dealt with it was they went, into a lot more uh, tight end heavy sets, fullback heavy sets, so that teams had to play their base defense more. And the Chiefs went under center more than they ever have with Patrick Mahomes, and they started running more play action and things like that. It's all an evolution. And I think one of the teams that's been really great about this over the years, as we know, has been the Patriots. 
The Patriots offense was not static. It was not, this is our offense. This is what they did the whole thing with, with, with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. And that was like revolution. All these two great tight ends. And and, you know, they would run the football. It changes. And I think the chiefs are looking at their offense. And I think it was a consideration. Okay. Hey, if we're going to stay ahead and Andy's an innovator, we may have to do things a little bit differently. But again, look, I mean, here are the target. Here are the targets. And then we just move on. This is dumb targets in the last season game by game and i'm going to exclude two games for obvious reasons the pittsburgh game when he was coming off of covid and he, he was not right and the last game of the year where he got hurt in pregame with his heel and they barely played him okay so i'm i'm, I'm not talking about those two games because he was barely on the field the other games 15 four that baltimore game seven okay now keep in mind his average in his career with mahomes his average 8.6 15, 4, 7, 12, 13, 12, 9, 18, 11, 10, 11, 5, 4 as a dip there, 13, 10. What is the problem? I mean, other than other than the Baltimore game, a game against Denver, and a game against the Raiders, which they won 48 to 9, might I add. They won okay, the only game that they lost where they targeted him less than seven times, which only happened three to Baltimore game. And they scored a million points in the game. They just happened to lose. What I mean, I just don't understand what world he lives in. He got targeted double digits 10 times in the regular season. They want to extrapolate this to the playoffs. He got targeted five times against Pittsburgh. We caught all five passes, 57 yards. They won going away. He was targeted 13 times against Buffalo and then 10 in the AFC Championship game. I mean, what do you want? How many targets do you want? I, I don't, and he shares a field. It's not like it's some bum fest out there. You're being targeted of, 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 absolute ton of times like look the bottom line for me you will notice all the noise out of this has come from one side because i can tell you in the last week i've texted a lot of people around the chiefs nobody has responded about this which is not surprising by the way it's probably what they should do they don't care they don't they don't care it's why testy a week or two ago when it was asked about like what do you think they don't care you think Patrick Mahomes is worried about Tyreek Hill right now? He's trying to get right with Valdez Scantling and Juju and, and work it up with Hardman. They don't care. That doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt them. Look, I've been on the record with this. I think it's going to hurt them short term that he's not on that team. I do. I think they're going to feel that. I still think they're going to be a very good offense. I think with him, they would have been the best offensive football this year. I think without him, they're top five. It's still great, but not, not elite, uh, depending on your definition. It's going to hurt them. You know what's really going to hurt them? On third and eight, when you couldn't double Kelsey before, and if you did, then you couldn't double Hill. Now you can double Kelsey every third and eight. And it's going to become, you've got to be able to beat guys elsewhere. And that's where it's going to hurt them. But I got to tell you, you know what's going to hurt more? Tyree Kill. When he's wide open on a go ball, and it doesn't get there. Or they're, or they're running the ball enough that the two is throwing the ball 25 times and not 42 times like Mahomes would. That's when Tyreek's going to care. And our guy, Stacey, says, Reed typically lost his cool the first time he's asked about it. I think they care, but they aren't going to give Hill the satisfaction. I think there's truth in that. Maybe I should have said that they publicly don't care. I think it's more irritating to them than anything else. I guess I guess what I'm trying to trying to get out is I don't think the Chiefs are sitting there worrying about Tyreek Hill like they they traded him they got five picks they moved on I think they're far more worried about building this defense than they are about what Tyreek Hill has to say in a podcast with his agent as a lawyer. Yeah, it was preposterous, and I'm sure that they're annoyed by it. And the organization stood by Hill through a lot of crap, and it's I'm sure there's some feelings there. But I agree with you they they've moved on. 
they don't care. And look, come September, none of this is going to matter. And it's only going to matter if, if, if the Chiefs end up playing the Dolphins in the playoffs. And I'm not sure that's going to happen. So I'm sure the Chiefs would welcome playing the Dolphins in the yeah, playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, believe me. Absolutely. All right. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company. Casey Beer Co. is the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City, and it's the only brewery that brews its beer according to the German purity law of 1516. Totally crazy. Four ingredients, malt, hops, water, and yeast. It's absolutely delicious. It's an award-winning brewery. They've supported this podcast now. Uh, they're they're going to be with us all the way uh, through the end of the year. It's really exciting. So make sure you stop by uh, the brew house over there. Say hello to them for us. And look for the KC, the red KC Beer Co. cartons in your local store. And support the Arrowhead Attic podcast. I see this all the time by supporting KC Beer Co. And do us a favor, at KC Beer Co. on Twitter. Haven't seen any in a while. Would appreciate it. Give them a shout. Let them know that you heard about the Arrowhead Attic podcast, that their beer on the Arrowhead Attic podcast. Keep us in business and dare to beer different. All right, let's get into some of these discussions now. Um, the big one, or you know, as big as sort of the moves that happened this time of year are, the Chiefs brought back Jarek McKinnon. Now, we talked about the running backs last week, so I don't want to retread too much of this, but I, <clears throat> this was an interesting move. And, and you know, you brought this up last week, Verteram, that, hey, you know, I don't know why they haven't brought him back McKinnon because he's a good blocker and all the rest of the guys they have not known for their blocking prowess. So now we, we already talked about how it was like a little bit crowded. Um, but, you know, maybe we thought all four guys would make the roster. Now you've got a really interesting running back group of CEH, Ronald Jones, Derek Orr, Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh round pick, and now McKinnon. And I wanted to ask you because Sterling and Matt Connor talked about this on the Tuesday show. And I thought it was interesting with the addition of McKinnon, they said, you know, Matt Connor made a good point. He said, look at, there's been a lot of fanfare, a fanfare around Ronald Jones because he's kind of known, a known quantity, right? But but Matt Connor said on Tuesday, hey, look at his contract. This is not like a, a slam dunk. Oh yeah, this guy's going to be on the roster. Uh, and they had a conversation about, is you know, is this backfield completely up for grabs? Now you, you figure CEH is going to make the team, right? Yeah, he's on the team. Um, uh, he's still on the rookie deal and all that, young guy. But- with the, as far as the rest of the spots go, I mean, is it a slam dunk that Ronald Jones is going to make the team? I would say it's very unlikely, but I also am old enough to remember when they brought in Carlos Hyde and cut Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Okay? Carlos Hyde showed up out of shape. They cut him at the end of the preseason. He went to Houston. He tore them up in week five. Then he came back a week six, I believe actually it was. Then he came back in the playoffs. They shut him down and Frank Clark had choice words after the game about it. Okay. I, I don't know that I think, oh, he'll be out of the mix. Look, CEH and Ronald Jones are the best bets. But I talked about it last week, and I'm glad the Chiefs made me look smart for once. They needed a guy who could block as a back. And I know people point out, well, Pacheco, their seventh-round rookie, can block yet, but he doesn't know the offense yet. That's a lot of trust in a seventh-round rookie when some team brings a fire blitz. And, hey, hey, Isaiah, get out there and make sure you read this right. Well, if he doesn't read it right, 15 is in the ground, okay? I trust Jarek McKinnon a hell of a lot more to step up, read it right, and hammer whoever the blitzing linebackers, the blitzing corners. I would argue with the Chiefs, there is no more important characteristic in a running back on that team than blocking on third down. None. None. Like, and, and the nice thing about McKinnon is a lot of times, for those who don't know, and I know a lot of you do know this, a lot of times the running backs, especially on a, you know, on a passing play, obviously, on a running play, of course, it's pretty self-explanatory, but on a passing play, they will stay in to block if they see a blitz coming. You know, if they re- read across, Mahomes will a lot of times signal that or Humphrey will signal that. However, 
if they're into block, but then nobody comes on a blitz, they then release into a pass pattern. Well, the nice thing about McKinnon is you can catch the football. So maybe you bring him in there. Maybe it's a heavy blitz scheme, okay? You're going against a team that blitzes quite a bit. You say, all right, look, you're in on third and eight. We think they're going to bring a blitz. We think they're going to bring the backer. But all of a sudden, pre-snap, you're looking around and going, okay, they're not going to blitz. They don't have a guy up here. They're going to drop. They're going to play coverage. I can leak out now. Well, now you got another guy who can really catch the football and and who's proven, by the way, who's pretty tough in space, who can run over a guy, who can get around the guy. I I was shocked it took them this long to sign Jarek McKinnon. Like, I understand he has an injury history. Who cares? For what you're paying him, I got to be honest with you. I I think he's the best all around back on the team. Now I don't know the. I don't think he's going to put up the best numbers because I think they're going to be pretty judicious in how they use him. I also think it was telling that in the playoffs, who did they use? Like I know Ch is coming off the injury. Like who did they use? They used him. So look, I like the signing. I don't think you're going to have more than look. You got to keep in mind Burton's a fullback. He's going to make the team. Ch is going to make the team. I would suspect that they're only going to keep two other back. I mean, I would think it's probably going to be McKinnon and Ronald Jones. Although, maybe they look at it and think, all right, it's a little bit of a logjam. You know, maybe they trade Ronald Jones for a real late round pick. Maybe they, you know, stick Pacheco on the on the, the practice squad and and they, they release Gore or they keep Gore and they trade Jones. I think the only certainty CEH is going to make the team, and I do think McKinnon's making this team because of his ability to block. As a golfer, for years, I've been hearing PXG say, nobody makes golf clubs like they do, period. You know what? They're right. I went in for a fitting and saw for myself, went in to swing the PXG Black Ops driver, and let me be honest, I was skeptical. Well, again, I, I loved my old driver. I had a uh, another very popular big-name brand. I love my driver, but they brought me in just to, to put it to the test. The PXG driver, it won. It was, I don't know, 7 to 10 yards longer. The dispersion was better. And the fitting experience was legitimately phenomenal. You know, I went in being a skeptic, and I came out being a true believer. It feels like a premium club in your hand. And not just that. The the ability of, of the actual fitting process blew me away. We went from extra stiff to regular stiff shaft. We tried out different weights on the shaft. We tried different shafts in general. Um, we, we were messing with the weights in the driver going from a 10.5 degree driver down to a 9. As someone who has a high launch angle, who gets a lot of loft and height on their ball, I needed something that was a little lower, so we moved the weights to the front of the club. It, it was such a wonderful experience I mean, they analyze every little bit of information to get the perfect fitting just for you. Um, again, I was blown away by the PXG Black Ops driver. PXG made me a believer. They'll do the same for every golfer in Kansas City. Visit pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting at PXG Kansas City. Uh, that is 7517 West 119th Street in Overland Park. Get fitted for any club and you'll get a dozen golf balls free. That's pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting. pxg.com slash arrowhead. Limit one dozen golf balls per person. Promotion ends June 30th. Other terms and conditions may apply. See store for details. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm really confused as to why they signed McKinnon now. I mean, I, 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 I think I know why they signed him, but I'm wondering why they waited this long, you know, when he could have gotten snatched up. I'm wondering if there's something we don't know, like maybe he was dealing with a, a little bit of a nagging injury and they yeah. were like, hey, you know, we want to we wait and see, you know, how you are, you know, keep, keep in touch with us. We'd love to have you back. Like, let us know how it's going. Maybe that was it. It's really strange. I don't think... I, I don't think I've heard some people talking about Pacheco as, and maybe making making it a, a team on special teams and being a returner. I think that's interesting. But I got to be honest with you. They've kept Derek Gore around and I, I just don't see Pacheco on the roster. Practice squad makes a ton of sense. It's hard. For, Seventh for round like back. It. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that was like obviously not high up on their list. If running back was a really, really big priority for them. Uh, they wouldn't. They would have done something before the seventh round, right? There also, were some guys in this class. I got to be honest. Of all the moves they made this offseason, and I look, the Hill one obviously controversial, and even Tyron Matthew. Although I really, I really like Justin Reed. I think they probably made the right long term decision. The one move I didn't get was the Ronald Jones signing. I didn't get it before McKinnon. Ronald Jones fumbles the ball a lot and can't catch and can't block. Like I get it. He's got a high yards per attempt. Yeah. And I'm not saying he doesn't have value. But like in terms of running the football, I'd rather give CEH those carries. Like if you're splitting CEH with Ronald Jones, it tells me all I need to know about what they think of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Right. Nothing against Ronald Jones. And look, I'm not trying to just sit here and just pound on Ronald Jones. He's had productive seasons in his career where he has run the ball well. I'm not. I understand why they signed him, but I don't like backs who fumble. To me, that is the worst characteristic of a running back. You cannot get the ball to your team, especially when you have Patrick Mahomes. Number two, I like backs, especially in, in Reed's offense, that can catch the ball. Say whatever you want about Edwards Alaire. He can catch the football, and so can McKinnon. Like, I, and so can Gore, for that matter. Like He's shown the ability to catch the ball. He had a big catch in the playoffs last year against Pittsburgh. I'm not a big fan of guys who fumble and can't catch as a running back. Like maybe Jones goes out and proves me wrong and puts up a thousand yards this year. I just of all the signings that they made this offseason, big and small, that was the one that I was like, yeah, all right. I, I don't think it's a killing him or anything. You know, it's not designed for three years, but I it, it doesn't move the needle for me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. CEH has had injury issues, right? I, I could see a scenario where there, Ronald Jones is is younger veteran insurance and they brought him and they get they, they wanted to get that person, they signed him early. Right. They got they like Derek Gore, they got CEH, and they bring in McKinnon. And at the end of this, they may be looking at it and be like, all right, CEH looks good. He's healthy. We we now they get another look at Derek Gore in the offseason. They if they like Derek Gore, Ronald Jones isn't gonna make the team. Like that's that's really what it's about, right? Like if they like Derek Gore, they're not getting rid of CEH, then then they're trading either trading Ronald Jones to somebody who's banged up and wants a veteran running back or they're cutting them loose. So I think it's going to be a really interesting battle to watch. CEH is going to get most of the run. And what, what 
always look what people do, not what they say. How are they using Derek Gore? How are they using Ronald Jones early in the preseason? They know what Jarek McKinnon is. He's not going to put any wear and tear on him in the preseason. Right. right. Why? For what reason? Yeah. So that's um, going to be really interesting to see how all of that plays out. It's probably going to be one of the, the the more interesting and exciting position battles yeah. in the you know, and, and and of course, what they do at receiver. How do they use those receivers? Right, how they He's split getting, it up. I mean, yeah. look, Jones, by the way, and this is what I was alluding to as far as usage. Like, in his career, his rookie year, he only ran the ball 23 times. So throwing that out, he's had 724, 976, and 426. And he's averaged 4.2, 5.1, and 4.2. So it's not like he can't run the ball. Like, he's been able to run the ball effectively. He's even, he even had one year, had a 98-yard run. Like, the problem I have with it is, okay, seven catches as a rookie, fine. Then he had 31, 28, and then last year, 10. He also has seven fumbles in his career. Like, I just, it's not that I think he's bad, because I don't think he's necessarily bad. I just think, like, he's kind of redundant. You know, for me, like, say whatever you want about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Would I rather have Clyde Edwards-Alaire out there? Yeah, I probably would. Now, obviously, he's only played two seasons, 803 yards, 517 yards on the ground. You know, 36 catches his rookie year, 19 last year, some injuries. He's fumbled twice, did in back-to-back games last season in the beginning. I just, I don't know. I would, I to me, like, I'd rather have Edwards-Alaire, Gore, and McKinnon just running the ball. Yep. And if you can flip Jones, then flip him. And if you can't, you know, you probably, you probably can't with a running back. Like, you know, fine. I, I don't know. Look, again, it's not something that I'm like really like concerned about. I think it'll work itself out. But I just, I thought it was money that was not needing to be spent. That, that's my two cents on. Yeah, I want to see more of Derek Orr. He's flashed. Let's, let's give the guy, let's give the guy a shot. He can um, run. The guy, the guy can like legitimately run. Yeah, he can. Give him the ball. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to get to our long shot offensive free agent prospects in just a second. But if you like the Arrowhead Addict podcast, please consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Addict family. Members get access to special emojis, loyalty badges they can use during our live YouTube streams. And you also get an invite to the private discord where when I had COVID this week, I was talking movies, books, trying to kill the time quarantine. So you hang out with the AA hosts. We talk Chiefs football, movies, beer. We do private events. We've been doing happy hours. We're actually going to be having a trivia coming up pretty soon. We're probably going to give away one of these bad boys, Arrowhead Attic Podcast t-shirt. So uh, check it out. The link's in the description if you're interested and we appreciate your support. All right. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this, but I thought it was interesting because it's that time of year. It's June. One of our writers over at Arrowhead Attic, Lucas Strazinski, wrote an article about three sort of like long shot offensive free agent prospects the Chiefs might kick the tires on. I know every time some of these names come up, people roll their eyes. They get really upset. Oh, that guy, he's always injured. He's done. He's toast. Relax. It's June. Um, That's these why they're guys, long shots. Yeah, they're long shots, right? So the first one he had, uh, a, a once great receiver, hasn't hit 800 yards or four touchdowns since 2019, often injured Julio Jones. Should the Chiefs kick the tires on Julio Jones, Matt Verderham? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, no. And, and I, I like the list by Lucas, by the way, who is who's always uh, – He's always here and hanging out and even is in the chat right now. I was in stacking the box. They actually corrected me on a, on a, on a, um, a cap mistake. I mean, so I appreciate him for it. No, I, look, I don't – like, they already have Josh Gordon. Do they really need Julio Jones? Like, don't they already have a space for a guy who's, like, not done much recently and is hurt all the time? And I, I, yeah. I just think – I think sometimes there's this tendency to be like, well, they're going to carry six receivers. We should have six of the best guys. Yeah, but you need guys who also play special teams. Right. You need guys who can fill certain roles. I would, I would pass on Julio. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why he's still available, and and that is uh, is often the case with the with long shots like this. Um, but yeah. uh, 
you know, I, I agree. It, look, Julio was a great player, you know, but the Chiefs have enough depth at the position. I'd much rather see guys with a future, you know, guys like uh, Darius Fountain. Like, I'd like to see some of those guys. I don't want to see him either. What can be I, <laughs> not, I, not if you don't have to. I'd but. like to see Sky Moore and McCole Hardman and yes. MVS and Juju. That's what I'd like to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I'd like right. to see. Number two on the list, I thought this one was kind of interesting. Gronk. Rob Gronkowski. Um, now look, it's 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 gone over in the article. It's probably for Gronk, Tampa Bay, or retirement, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you could lure him away, this is a guy who was productive. I mean, this is not like injury history, sure, a little bit long in the tooth, sure. But I mean, there were a, there, he's better than a lot of tight ends when he's you on know? the field last year. Would you would you bring in Gronk and just go and just try to terrify everybody with, so with Gronk and Kelsey funny. sets? First of all, he's not going to come there to come to Kansas City because he, he wouldn't be Tampa Bay or Bust, as Lucas mentioned in the article, and he's right. But honestly, that actually would be somewhat interesting. Like, I think I'd rather at this point just, like, give Jody Fortune the snaps. But you got to admit, Gronk and Kelsey on the same team, even at Gronk's eight, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Right? Like, that, I'll say this about Gronk. He would fit in with them. Right. Like, that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. It's not going to happen, but I actually would be on board. Like if Gronk called them up and was like, listen, I'll come there for one year. Like, okay. You know, Jody Forson can slide in a tight end three. That's fine. Like, I, I would <laughs> actually be on board. But, but no, I, I do not think it'll happen. I think it's either Tampa Bay or retirement. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients it provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy healthy pets explore all our pet products in store and on menards.com and check out more of our great deals going on now at menards Save big money at Menards. i mean i just want to see i just want to see gronk and travis kelsey line up one time on the field at the same time, you know, and then yeah. I want to see the the touchdown celebrations. That might it might actually be a bad thing because if those two get those could they might not be the best influence on each other. To put that behind a paywall, <laughs> right? Um, but it'd be fun. Um, it would be fun. It would be fun. And then of course, last um, look. This is a, a guy who got injured in the Super Bowl, um, and, and 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 you and I were there and and saw it happen. Um, probably not going to play early in the season. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr is yep. an interesting name that's still out there. Everyone's probably waiting to see how he's with the injury. And this is another guy probably, if he's going to play, he's probably going to go back to L.A., was was doing a nice job there. What are your thoughts on Odell Beckham Jr.? I would sign him in a heartbeat. If, if they could get him away from the Rams, I would, in a heartbeat. I don't even care if he plays until the last like six games of the year because he had real juice left when he was with the Rams last season. He was good. Yep. He mattered for them last season. We were, as you mentioned, we were at the Super Bowl. He was dominating that game early and then got hurt. No, listen, now, am I worried about him injury-wise? Yeah, he's had a lot of injuries in his career. Okay, he's older. It's torn ACL. Yes, all those things are true. But would I sign him for a one-year deal and a bunch of incentives? Yeah, absolutely I would. I don't think they're going to. But, yeah, of those three guys, like he clearly has the most juice left. Um, we know he was interested. And the Chiefs wanted to sign him. Uh, uh, wanted to acquire him last year, and he, right. he decided to go to Los Angeles, and now, it worked out for him. Paul in the chat brings up something I was just going to bring up. So Paul and I were on the same page. He says, age aside, can we come up with one other reason why the Chiefs wouldn't trade for, for Quinn? Now, he's talking about Robert Quinn, who is a 32-year-old edge rusher on the Chicago Bears who who stayed away from minicamp. It sounded like it was pretty mutual. Like, hey, why don't you stay to the side? But the Bears owe him... A lot of money over the next three seasons. Okay. So th that's 
that's worth talking about. By the way, as uh, mentioned here in the chat, and it should be noted, uh, Kansas City, congratulations to the city, which will be hosting the FIFA World Cup. That's incredible. Oh, we got to go. Is, that is pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. cool. Um, good good for them. Yeah, uh, good for Kansas City. That, super happy. And, and they uh, – look, the, the, the city, Kansas City, has been incredible at soccer. One of the best American cities. So kudos to KC uh, and all who live there. Good for you. I, I hope to uh, to get out there for a couple of games. I love watching the World Cup. Not, I, oh, self-admittedly, not the biggest soccer fan in the world, but I will watch the women's and men's national team. Yeah, plenty of time to bone up now, though. Seriously. A lot of great players. Seriously. Yeah. All right, but back to back to Robert Quinn real quick. So he's due a lot of money. I, you can look up the contract. It's it's. I think it's something like over the next three years. I think it's in the ballpark of like forty million. However, if they were to trade for him, they're not on the hook for any guaranteed money. So it basically becomes a year to year contract. He's thirty two. Last year he had eighteen and a half sacks. The year prior, I think he had two and a half, and the year before that he had eleven and a half. So two of the two of the three previous seasons he's been excellent. The question for me becomes, what would you have to give up to get him? He's 32. He's expensive. You know the Bears have no use for him at this point. They're in a full-blown rebuild. They want the draft capital. Okay. I mean, if if I'm if I'm the Chiefs who have a dozen picks next year, I I mean, I I would look at this and say, listen, we're not offering you a first. I mean, he's not worth the first at this point. I would offer them a day three pick. I'd offer them a fourth round pick. I mean, I think that's fair. He's 32. He's expensive. He, it bears of no leverage. Obviously, for the Chiefs, there's two reasons this really fits. Actually, three reasons. You have one, you have a lot of picks. Two, you need an edge rusher. And three, the general manager just came from Kansas City. Right. You've got the relationship. I mean, you are inside track city. If you, you have the relationship, you have the cap space, you have the draft picks. I mean, no team is better set up. Now, maybe the Chiefs don't want to make that move. I know we're talking to some people around them. They're very excited about Carl Loftus. Like increasingly so after seeing him even running around in shorts and a jersey. So maybe they feel like, look, we already have one expensive aging veteran on the edge and Frank Clark. We're good. We'll go with him and Carl Loftus. I gotta tell you, if even if for one year, like you're only gonna have Clark for this season. So it's quite interesting. He's interesting to me. I would offer them a fourth, and maybe for the sake of somewhat like just just irony, if they wouldn't do do that like, well we need a third offer that you got as a compensatory pick for ryan poles going to chicago yeah how crazy would that be you trade the bears the pick that you got because they hired him as a general manager i i would at least talk to them now they want more than that i tell them to get lost but i, I mean i if you're the chief you can't use 18 and a half sacks even if you can even if you had a down year comparatively in a 10 you'd lead the chiefs unless right. chris jones beats him out or carl office is amazing yeah. i think uh i think that that would be fair I think a, a, a fourth round pick would be fair. Yeah, and the Bears aren't winning anything this year because no, they, you know they're not going to have an offense. They know so. it, <laughs> right? Right. Might as well acquire picks so that you can, you know, uh, this will be Poles' first year to evaluate and all that. Yep. I agree. I think it's I think it's a smart move for the Chiefs. Uh, and speaking of pass rushers, we're going to talk about Chris Jones in just a second and his future with the Chiefs and his contract and all that. But before we get to that, did you know that the Arrowhead Attic Podcast now has swag? Check out the link in the description. I'm rocking. The Arrowhead Attic Podcast T-shirt. I love this. I wore this down in Orlando. I had to give a. I had to give a, a speech, a presentation. That was a little bit nerve wracking. And this is what I wore. I rocked my Arrowhead Attic Podcast T-shirt for that. I was super proud. And I've been talking about it on the show for a while now. I finally got my shit together and actually got the white Adidas golf hat. There you uh, go. Right here. Look at that. Huh? That's a good looking hat. You can. This is. This can be you. Minus the face. 
Um, hopefully, that's hopefully, key. Yeah, yeah. It's, minus that's the face, good. minus the COVID. Yeah, uh, minus know. the face, minus the COVID. Uh, you'll be good to go. You'll be out on the town. You can show your Chiefs pride, show your Arrowhead Attic podcast pride with that. So, um, all right, check out the link in the description if you want any of that. All right, Chris Jones. So, 2023 is last year on the contract. He turns 28. I feel like he's been here forever. Um, so it's crazy that he's just now, he's still, you know, he's turning 28. Um, he turns 28 in July. So this is his last big contract. He's going to want to get paid right now. So what, what do the chiefs do, right? Do they try to resign him? It's going to be very expensive. He's, you know, one of the, I think 10th in the history of the team in sacks. Uh, I read this from, from Matt Connor, our own Matt Connor over at arrowheadact.com. The only realistic way the Chiefs can reduce his cap hit next year is to release him and save $20 million, or B, trade him and save $20 million, or C, extend his contract beyond 2023 and save anywhere from between five and $15 million on the 2023 cap. Depends on how the new extension is structured. What is your opinion on, on Chris Jones? Should the Chiefs re-sign him or... And, and pay up all that money, and and or is it? Hey, you know, we, we you know we're getting nine, ten sacks from you a year. It's great, but Carl Loftus looks good. He's young. And the Chiefs have don't have a lot in the way of defensive tackles. They you do know. have a lot in the way of draft picks, and they're remaking their defense. Is Chris Jones part of this second wave Chiefs defense, or is it? Hey, it's this year, maybe next year, or is he gone? I think this is a very hard decision for them because. He is, as they are currently constructed, easily the best and the most important player on that defense. Yep. They love him in that building to the point they gave him a four-year, $84 million contract. Okay? And say what you will about him. He is a Hall of Fame-level talent. But, as you point out, next year is his age 29 season, if I'm correct. I believe I'm correct with that. They just traded Tyreek Hill. Part of the reason that they didn't give Tyreek Hill the contract he wanted, they didn't want to guarantee money into his 30s. Now, how different is that for a speedster of a wide receiver and a defensive tackle? Maybe a little bit. I think that's fair to say. If I were the Chiefs, I would try to extend him on a deal that basically, including next year, is a three-year deal with the first two years guaranteed. Okay, I would try to guarantee him in 2023 and 2024 to his age 30 season, and then it becomes a team option. And I know there are people like our guy Wink here says he doesn't play at all Hall of Fame level. Look, man, I they I'll tell you right now, they do, there's no way in hell that team wins the Super Bowl if he's not there. No chance. Go watch the fourth quarter of that game. Like, let me tell you, I was there at the game. I interviewed him. I spoke with him directly after the game. He was easily the biggest difference maker outside of Mahomes in the fourth quarter of that game, including Tyreek, including Kelsey, all of them. He's a great player. I mean, everybody talks about him like he stunk last year. He had nine sacks, a D-tackle, and they used him half the year. They misused him as a defensive end. That's right. That's so right. If you ask people in the NFL who the best defensive tackle is, everybody and their mother says Aaron Donald, right? And he is, right? He might be the best defensive tackle ever. Chris Jones has been the number two for years, along with a guy like Fletcher Cox. Okay? okay? Chris in a Canton one day. Like, he's that level of play. Now, that being said, it's still a hard decision because you are talking about getting into your 30s. But if I were the Chiefs, I would try to extend him on a shorter term. And look, we'll give you, including next year, 3 and 60, 3 and 65, because the cap's going to go up a little bit. You got to account for that. That's that's what I would do. First two years, so you're guaranteeing age 29, age 30. And then at age 31, 
you can either move on, you can keep him at that, or or if he's if he's fantastic the next two years, you can extend him again if you wanted to. You know, but I that's how I would do this. I if I'm the Chiefs, I think moving on from a guy like that is a very dangerous bit of business. When you know, when you move on from Tyreek Hill, you've got Mahomes. Clean up a lot of that. You don't have Mahomes on defense. That I think is a much scarier thing than losing Tyreek Hill in a lot of ways. I think he, you know, he's going to be motivated this year because it's again, it's a, it's it's in some ways it's kind of a contract year. I think the Aaron Donald contract really complicates this for the Chiefs because you know if you're Chris Jones, do you do you want to do the extension? I mean, if I'm Chris Jones and his agent, I'm looking at it, and it, it, you know, every player is different. Every player has different priorities, right? I'm a I'm a, I'm from Northeast Ohio. I'm a Guardians fan. Um, Jose Ramirez. He loves Cleveland. The dude, he just loves Cleveland. He wanted to stay. He, they, got, they were able to re-sign him. Francisco Lindor, great player. I absolutely loved him. The dude was like, no way, man. I am cashing in. I'm cashing in. And Chris Jones, this is his last chance to get a big deal. Does he want to do a two-year extension? Or does he like, no, man, trade me to a team that's going to sign me to a long-term deal. I want to, I want, I want to be signed to him 33, 34, and I want the big bucks. I want to lock it in. We just don't know. You know, we don't know. And I think if that's the case, I think the Chiefs have to move on from him. I think they should trade him, especially if he has a good year, because and I agree with everything you're saying about, you know, but that's Brett Veach's job is to replace these players. And maybe the next great player is not a defensive tackle. Maybe it's George Karloftis. Maybe he's already found his guy, you know, or maybe it's another defensive end. I don't know. But like Brett Veach has shown he doesn't like paying guys into his 30s, like you said. He likes to move on, and and if he can trade for if if Chris Jones, I'll tell you what, this year could be really interesting because they've really remade the defense. They've got younger, they've got more athletic. Frank Clark is back. I know nobody's excited about that, but the addition of Carl Loftus is interesting. He's a pass rushing guy. The Chiefs really like him. If he starts putting pressure on defenses in a way that no other defensive and, and Frank Clark plays to par for Frank Clark, which is still okay. That could be interesting for that defensive line. It could be interesting for Chris Jones and open up more opportunities for him. And if Chris Jones is playing well, could open up opportunities for Carl Loftus. Chris Jones goes out there and has, remember, he had that year in 2018, 15 and a half sacks when he was in his contract. Which is, by the way, the last time they could ever rush the pass with anybody but him. Right, right. That he's done nine sacks, seven and a half sacks, and nine sacks. I know a lot of emphasis gets put on those sack numbers. He wreaks havoc. He's getting double teamed all the time just because he's not putting up those sack numbers when people think, well, he disappears from the state. He's making an impact. And you saw the impact on the Chiefs defense last year when he went from end back into the middle. If he has a big year this year and he gets 12, 13 sacks, I think the Chiefs should trade him because he's going to be so damn expensive. And they need to keep young, talented. They just need to keep it going throughout Mahomes' career. I, I, I don't think he's worth keeping into his 30s. I mean, he is worth keeping, but at the price point, the Chiefs have to be smart. You may not be wrong, but I'll tell you right now: you trade him, you watch how much that affects Carl Loftus. Yep, that's that's that's. Uh, I, I'm a big believer, look, man. I'm a baseball fan, and all these people who are always like, "Oh, trade this guy for prospects." You don't know shit about what that prospect's going to be. I hate when people do this. I don't think you right. are in general. But in general, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Like I'm an A's fan, okay? As much as they suck to high heaven. And 
I have listened to people forever around that fan base. Well, we should trade Olsen because we're going to get a bunch of prospects. Well, they did trade Matt Olsen because their owner's cheap as hell. And the guy who is the centerpiece of that prospect, Christian Pache, is literally not hitting his weight. He's hitting 150. Okay, that's great. He can field. He hits like me. And Matt Olson's killing it. And the Braves won 13 games in a row. I think the, the point I'm making is people always love to do this stuff. Like, oh, well, if we trade and we get five picks, you have no idea what those guys are going to be. You don't know. Like, you're trying to win Super Bowls now. I think the Hill thing was unique because the contract exploded on them right as they were about to sign it, by the way. Okay. The contract was just, just blown up by the Devonta Adams thing. I tend to feel like Donald is an outlier. I do not think, kind of like Mahomes is an outlier. I don't think all of a sudden everybody's going to be getting Donald money. Donald's the best defensive tackle maybe ever. So I don't think that Jones all of a sudden is jumping to that number. And and by the way, if that's what he wants, they should trade him. But I, I really do think with the Chiefs, like you're trying to win Super Bowls now. You're trying to win now. And if you trade that guy, what are, what are you doing? I mean, how, how do you fix the interior then? Okay, you got, oh, I know the answer for everybody. Well, do you draft somebody? Well, what if what if that guy's Breland Speaks? Then what? Then what do you do? What if he's not even Breland Speaks? What if he's what if he's Alan Bailey? Nice player, but not going to – like, you're screwed. You're screwed. And then Chris Jones is out there having 12 sacks. I that, That's how I feel. I think, look, there's a case to be made, certainly – but if he plays well this year, especially if Carl Loftus plays well and they feel like Jones is beating doubles and Carl Loftus is one-on-one all the time, I wouldn't mess with that. There's no way. There's no way I'd mess with that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Um, you know, I'm I'm really excited to see what Willie Gay Jr. does this year. Does he take that quantum leap and and become an absolute stud Pro Bowl player? It's gonna be fascinating to watch this defense. I'm I'm really excited about about the defense this year. It may not be pretty early on, but I think they may be better when it's all said and done. All right, let's get to our Chiefs uniform power rankings. So that means it's time for you all to sound off in the chat. Let us know. So there's so there's five combos that I have on the list. All right. So there's the Texans throwback uniforms, which you know we haven't seen since that anniversary season, uh, but they exist. They're a thing. Um, the, the classic, the the white on red, white jersey, red pants. The all reds, the all whites, and the red jersey on white. So let's do our power rankings. I'll kick us off, Vertoram. I want to hear from you guys in the chat. So list them one through five for me. Num- number one, I got to go with the red on white. It's just the classic Chiefs uniform, red helmet, red jerseys, white pants. That's what I think of when I think of the Kansas City Chiefs. Childhood makes me happy. Timeless look. That's my number one. What about you, Vertoram? Yeah, I'm with you. Just red over white. I, I love those uniforms. I think they're some of the best in football. If I'm looking around the league, I think the best uniforms in the league in no particular order, Packers, Chiefs, Raiders, Steelers. I'm a traditionalist. Those The Chiefs uniforms are perfect. Don't screw with them. That's that's right where I leave it. It's right where I leave it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I love the classic uniforms as well. Um, next up for me, number two, is the all-whites. I just think the all-white uniforms – with the red, red, red and gold trim, the red helmet always looks really clean, and they wore that a lot during the Todd Haley era, which was one of the only bright spots. Big fan of the all whites. All right, so I I hate to be boring, but I'm with you. I think part of it too is when when you grew up, like Schottenheimer, they yeah. always wore white on white. That's right. So yeah. uh, you know, I always thought that was such a clean look. I you know they've worn it occasionally under Andy Reid, not very often. 
but I've always liked those. I've always liked those. Um, so I am with you. I'm boring. I know we agree here, but I am with you uh, two for two. All right. All right. We're two for two. Number three, these are, I think that this look is really popular with the players. They wear them a lot during prime time. The all reds going all red, busting out the red socks, the red pants, the red jerseys, the red helmets. Uh, our guy, Stacy's a, a big fan. Uh, that's his number one as well. Red, red. What do you think, Verderam? What's your number three? So mine is their, their road jerseys, white over red. I used to not like the, the red pants. Now I, now I do. I still like it better when they're white over white, but I, I like the white over. I like the the uh, old school road look, if you will. Okay, all right. Uh, it's an interesting look. I just I prefer the the solid color up on top. So that was my number four. Was the white over red? Um, kind of the least exciting one for me. Always just kind of looks a little funny to me. Yeah, that was my number four. What about you? Mine is the is the color rush, the red over red. Like I don't I don't hate them or anything. Um, <clears throat> I think they kind of look like a bunch of ketchup bottles, but um, yeah. I will say this. I like them a lot better than some of the other color rush uniforms around the league, which is oh. ridiculous. Yeah. I don't th- look, I don't think there's any combination that they have that I dislike, uh, right. but, but I, I, I would say for me, like that color, like the first time they did it, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And then now it's like, okay, it feels like they just do these all the time. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll put that at four. So that takes the mystery out of it. Number five uh, for both five. of us is, is the Texans throwbacks. I mean, it was cool. You know, it was like cool to see, but I just, it was just, I just, it's not the Chiefs, you know, I'd yeah. see in the state of Texas on the side of the helmet and the, the weird kind of red color that they were. I just wasn't a fan. Yeah. I have no time with, for that. What I, here's here. I'll leave my thoughts with two things as we wrap up. One, they should wear the bigger arrowhead on their helmet. They used to have bigger arrowheads on the helmets in the sixties and early seventies. Mm. And that changed accidentally when the decals were, that were shipped to them were smaller. And they just kept them that way. I think they should go back to them. More importantly, far more importantly than all the uniform rankings. And I, I swear to God, I'm dead serious with this. They, for people who don't know, used to have a guy who was the, the groundskeeper. And by the way, the Arrowhead Stadium groundskeepers do a great job because it's natural grass and it's and I think it's beat to hell. And it, it, it field always looks immaculate. So I'm I not knocking on with this. The, George Toma used to be their groundskeeper. His nickname is the Sod God. Okay. He has been the one who's been in charge of all the fields at the Super Bowls. He is an older gentleman at this point. If you go back and look at their fields, when they played at Kansas City Municipal Stadium in the 60s, up right up until 1972, those fields were works of art. They would paint the Chiefs helmet on there and the other team's helmet on there. and They had the gold end zones as the Chiefs used in their Super Bowl season in the playoffs. Give me a, a cool-looking field, damn it. Yeah. Their field is so boring. I don't mind the arrowhead in the middle, although I would prefer the helmets on both sides. I'm the the end zones. Could you be more boring than you are, Chiefs? Come on, yeah. And, and you get these like, well, it hurts the cross. Oh, come on, paint the field, paint the field. <laughs> Buy more grass. Back. You're on his literally had such cool fields that when Roselle created the Super Bowl alongside Lamar Hunt, they used the Chiefs groundskeeper to paint the field because he thought they were beautiful. Yeah. And the Chiefs now have the late, it's just the, the lamest end zones on earth. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah Chiefs, touchdown. They spend enough time in them. How about making them cool looking? And the one year they did it, coincidence? I think not. The team won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. The gold end zones are a fan favorite. Give me a damn field that looks like a painting. Yeah. Give me the helmets back. Those were cool. One quick uniform question before we get out of here. 
Are you in favor? I know people get real traditional. I don't mind alternate uniforms. I think they're fun. Wear it occasionally. It, it, would you like to see a, a more prominent gold somewhere? No, I hate, I hate like alternate uniforms. Hate them. Hate them with a visceral passion. I am a traditionalist to the end with this stuff. Look, every once in a blue moon, there will be an alternate. We're like, that's pretty cool looking. Most of them are complete bullshit. They're money grabs. It's just some reason for a team to pump out another jersey. If they ever wore a gold jersey in a football game, I would. I think I'd actually have to like skip the game and watch on radio or listen on radio. That would drive me to no end. I, I can't see Stacy saying yellow top. Stacy, you and I, I love you, man. Can't do it. I, I just can't get there. Black uniforms, if that was always like a big thing in the, in the yeah. aughts, right? Like, oh, they should go to a black alternate. No, they shouldn't. Like, just They have beautiful uniforms. Leave them alone. For the love of God, don't screw with it. It drives me crazy. Just leave it alone. I'm on the opposite side. I'm, I, I don't want any permanent changes, but I think occasionally having some fun with the uniforms, with the colors, but keeping it classy, none of this crazy, the neon crap that some of these teams do. I would love to see gold pants with the red. I oh, think that could look really awesome. And as Stacy mentioned, the, the, the gold and red Jersey. And in fact, I I've seen some great mock-ups of a, of a gold helmet and busting out occasionally. I would, I would, I would need to be hospitalized if they had, <laughs> if they had a gold helmet. Hospitalized. You understand me? You're so hospitalized. lighten up. Oh God. Stacy's in there with yellow on yellow. <laughs> they look like a damn banana. No, I, I'm, I'm out. I can't. And, and Lucas brings up the and, and we got. I know we got to go because I got to go coach a soccer team. But I will say this: Look, the NBA, which I am a, a Knicks fan, so I am in deep pain. As is Stacy. He and I should start a support group for people who rooted for the Knicks and the Chiefs in the nineties. Look, the, the the NBA. You turn on games in the regular season, you have no idea who the hell's even like. What team is which? The courts are out of control. Like nobody even knows what the hell's going on. The Knicks have like thirty-seven different uniforms. What the Knicks really should do is wear a uniform that makes them invisible, so no one has to watch that shit. But neither here nor there. I mean, the Celtics other night in the finals, who have more tradition than anybody outside, maybe the Lakers, and that's arguable, are wearing these like alternate black uniform. Th- what do you just? You're this. You're the Boston Celtics. Wear the green on white, the white on green. Enough of this crap. Enough. Wear wear class. You know, let the, let the Jaguars change their uniforms eighty seven times. Okay, you're, <laughs> you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You got tradition. Leave it alone. He has the last word. I'm going to give it to him, even though I don't agree. Have some fun. Have some fun at sports. All right. We got to get out of here, everybody. This has been great. You guys are awesome. Well over 100 of you watching live. You're absolutely fantastic. The, the fact that so many of you are still with us here in June. We need your help. We need you to head over to Apple Podcasts. We haven't had uh, a review in a while. And the last couple we had were not very kind. So if you could do us a favor, if you haven't left a review in a while, we, will, we, we need stuff to talk about anyway. We're ranking food. We're talking about Jersey rankings. So leave us a question. What do you want to hear from us? Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Leave a written review. Ask us your question at the bottom. We will answer it on the podcast. Guaranteed. Thank you so much for your support. I hope you're having a great summer. I hope you're staying cool. I know this is a sick heat wave. Stay healthy. Stay cool. We'll see you next week. Matt and Sterling will be back on Tuesday. Bergeram and I will be here on Thursday. But until then, as always, go Chiefs. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high-quality and easy-to-assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low-maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save 